0: You're listening to Geeky Therapy, your audio escape into a safe place complete with comics, superheroes, movies, technology, conspiracies, and whatever else culture has deemed popular for the day. Geeks and non-geeks alike can enjoy in-depth conversation of issues plaguing the geek world with nothing more than a few clicks on your phone. Geeky Therapy is available on most popular homes for RSS feeds, such as Google and Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Beyond Pods, Spotify, and the Anchor app. So get your headphones on, kick back, and relax, because therapy is in session.
1: Good afternoon, sir. How can I help you today? Hello. My name is Scooby-Doo. I have my first therapy appointment today. Okay, wonderful. Well, welcome. I'll have to ask you to fill out a little paperwork before the therapist can see you. For insurance purposes, of course. Here you are. Just fill in the top section, your medical history, and then the presenting problem, and just bring it back to me, okay, hon? Okay! r r problem uh, reparation anxiety. rhyme miss Raggy readed everything together Re wrought bad guys ran from ronsters hid from ronsters Relebration snacks. Red dessert? Rand second dessert? Rand third dessert? (laughs) He was my best friend. But was I his best friend? No. I walk in on him and his girlfriend once and suddenly it's time to get his own place. He rarely calls it's like the rash 20 years don't exist look it sounds like a sad story uh but maybe you should write it on the paper because i've got my own shit to deal with okay uh-huh Ro- r- i'm sorry <laughs> rasshole <laughs>
0: Hello Geeks and Geekettes. Yes, Therapy is back in session after a longer than anticipated hiatus. I am back. Um, Today we'll, we'll begin with a confession. As you can tell from the title, this episode will be about the confessions of a collector because folks that is exactly what I am. I am a collector and collecting has for a long time been a highly criticized niche of the pop culture world. We as uh, collectors are typically mocked, made fun of, um, not just for spending habits but also for the items that we choose to collect. Uh, collecting has so often been looked at as a strange and abnormal uh, and in many cases negative that there is a small sub area of psychology that is based on collecting you can google psychology of collecting and you'll be able to find a couple articles about it and it developed out of the idea of wanting to better understand what motivates people to uh spend so much money uh you know time energy not only building a collection but what Sparks that initial desire. And then once it's started, what keeps them maintaining it? Considering that with a lot of collectibles, there is quite a large cost. Uh, And again, like I I mentioned before, not just a financial cost, um, but the amount of time, energy uh, that is put into someone building a collection that they can be happy with um, I think everybody collects something I, I don't believe that we're talking about uh, the general individual because let's face it we, we all collect things even if we don't think that we're collecting them um, I mean how many people go on vacations and take pictures Technically, you are collecting pictures, you're collecting photographs, Um, collect ticket stubs from games, uh, sports games, concerts, souvenirs, uh, trophies, medals, certificates. Uh, You know, for some parents, they may collect all kinds of things, children's artwork. Um, I think that we all collect some things. Um, but I think that there is something that clearly separates those people from the collectors that are usually, uh, singled out for their hobbies. And I think that the first is that there is usually an emotional bond to the items that a collector is, I don't want to say collecting, is acquiring. The value of, of a collector's collection is not just based on uh, any sort of monetary gain. It's not just, and it doesn't have to have any any financial, any future financial implications at all. It, it doesn't matter that a collector chooses to, for example, um, you know, something that's really popular and has been over the past few years and continues to be in terms of collecting and popular culture are uh, the Funko brand, uh, Pops, uh, Funko Pops and, and, all, and all the things that exist underneath that umbrella. Uh, the majority of Funko Pops at retail value are between 10 and $15, and at the end of the day outside of certain exclusives uh limited runs uh limited chases the majority of those pops are going to remain at at the price for which they were purchased uh you know someone may want to collect a whole you know the entire run of uh let's say gargoyles because i know that's a an upcoming series of funko pops that's going to be released Uh, towards the end of the summer and other than maybe the two exclusives that'll be coming out the majority of those are not going to go up in value at all so when it comes to collecting i don't think future financial prospects of a quote-unquote collectible matters i don't think that people have to collect things in order to sell it later on for it to be uh collectible um i think that for the group of people i'm thinking about which includes myself there is an a very strong emotional component and i would say that it really is maybe more of a 70 30 split between the emotional and then the monetary component with emotional having the 70 of course Uh, i think within pop culture a lot of times the collector is uh reliving a lot of uh, nostalgia from their childhood and a lot of the things that collectors in pop culture collect tend to relate back to something that they enjoyed as a child. Um, And it allows them to maintain a collection, maybe of a happier time or a more pure time, which, I mean, let's face it, how many of us are guilty of that? Especially when you really start... Um, delving into the area of adult living, uh, you know the financial responsibilities and things of that nature. It it's pretty common to think back to your childhood when you probably thought, "I can't wait to be an adult." Um, you know, when you probably thought, "I can't wait to be an adult," and you get there, and now you're like, "Man, I wish I was still a kid. Things were easy." Uh, you know, waking up on Saturday mornings having cereal, watching cartoons on Fox Kids. Those were easy times. And it can be, and, and for some people, it can be kind of depressing uh, if they're unhappy with their adult lives. And so collecting can kind of help ease sometimes anxiety or difficult emotions about the past. Um, but you know, I think that, again, there is that emotional component not just to their childhood or the nostalgia or the, or the, the period of their life from which the items they're collecting come, but also there is the thrill of collecting. Um, you know, I think that for the general person who quote unquote collects, you know, pictures, trophies, their children's art or report cards or whatever it may be um when it comes to really being labeled as a collector um you know there's really a thrill of of the hunt you know we really like the hunt it is a quest it is um it is a journey it is a it's a movie that has a climax you know uh, we, we figure out what we want and then there's uh, you know so many steps that are taken in order to acquire it and as you get closer and closer the excitement builds the excitement builds and then when it is it is acquired you have the climax um, and then kind of everything that happens thereafter um, but uh, in terms of again in terms of the psychology of collecting that I brought up earlier it is primarily based in a lot of uh a lot of freudian uh, perspective uh if you don't know who sigmund freud is i i highly encourage you to read up about him or read up about uh you know psychoanalysis um by which he was you know really the uh, the cornerstone of um but Uh, Kind of just uh, all of it in a nutshell. Uh, Freud believed that a lot of psychological, mental, emotional distress uh, really comes from uh, unmet uh, urges and uh, unmet needs that are embalmed within the unconscious mind and so when we are having issues or we're triggered by something and we're we're anxious or depressed or something along those lines it is our unconscious mind using the conscious mind um, to send off alarms uh, that something is wrong or something has been wrong and so with the psychology of collecting um it, it takes a very kind of dark <laughs> dark tone to the collector, uh and kind of describes collecting as uh people focusing on their object of desire, um A desire that, you know, begins at birth with baby seeking emotional uh, and physical comfort. Uh, Moving on to other things that we seek for, that we use to seek comfort and security. Blankets stuffed animals, toys, things like that. And that somewhere along the way, um, people kind of just maintain that fixation on, needing an object to feel okay. And we don't, certain people don't move past that stage. And because they don't move past that stage, we continue having to search for that item or that group of items that can bring our unconscious mind some peace. It also touches a little bit on hoarding. Uh, which is sometimes misconstrued as um, as what collecting really amounts to, just hoarding a bunch of crap. Uh, hoarding is a diagnosable mental illness. Hoarding disorder is in uh, the DSM-5 which houses the diagnostic criteria for all diagnosable mental illnesses. Um, and it is more related to the inability to discard things. Um, attempting to throw something away or get rid of something causes a lot of distress in the person, so much that it interferes with their daily life. Collecting is about obtaining things with a choice to maintain it, not because if not because trying to get rid of it, would cause uh you know an increase in distress uh whereas with hoarding uh, there is no getting rid of it because it would throw you into a tailspin you just can't do it uh collecting is a choice hoarding isn't um also hoarding doesn't have a lot of focus it's mostly just a bunch of crap if you've ever watched any of the hoarding tv shows um it's just a bunch of stuff and it just can't be thrown away because of the amount of distress it causes the person. Collecting has a focus, um, and there is a a deeper reason for why it is being obtained. But I just know that sometimes people will uh, accuse collectors of just being hoarders, and I think if you really think about what hoarding is, there is clearly a large difference between the two. Uh, But I digress so how do people even become collectors um I, I don't know um all i can do is speak from personal experience which is what i do on all of these episodes anyway i have found and if i did some form of study i am sure that it would uh, demonstrate a lot of what I have experienced in regards to the fact that most of the people that I know not just friends um, but other people within the collecting community both specifically the things I collect now as well as just general pop culture collecting a lot of them seem to have childhoods um, that somewhat mimic you know poverty or low socioeconomic status and which is the same as my own upbringing and i've always had this idea that not having much in your childhood would lead to uh, an increase of wanting things in the future um You know, you kind of set yourself up to have what you couldn't have when you were a kid. And while it may not be the same exact items, uh, for example, one of the things I collected when I was younger, being a 90s kid, were Pokemon cards, which was pretty common for most kids back then. Um, You know, and now that I'm older, I'm not collecting Pokemon cards Um, But I I wouldn't say that I wouldn't collect something that is Pokemon-themed because it has such strong ties to happiness. Um, But, I mean, collecting always starts somewhere. So let's go ahead and go into my testimony uh, as a collector. Uh, Growing up, I would say that the first thing i ever collected were pogs Um, if you don't know what pogs are uh, they were these little cardboard coin shaped sized uh, things that you could collect and they have all different kinds of designs and pictures and some of them were uh, shiny and uh things like that and and it was all part of a game um that you could play uh i can't say that i ever played i i honestly don't think i ever played pogs uh but i sure as hell collected them and and i think that is something else that probably needs to be stated I think that there is a difference in people who collect for use versus people who collect to own. Um, You know, back then I was not a POG player, I was a POG collector. I do think there would be a difference between those who are buying to use them. Uh, versus those who were just collecting for some sort of either financial or emotional value. Um, but yes, yeah, so I collected Pogs um, and they were pretty short-lived. I know that the game that Pogs originated from was played uh, f- like for the first time in the, in the 1920s or something like that. Um, But in terms of Pogs themselves, it was a mid-90s thing. Then, eventually, Pokemon burst onto the scene from Japan. And, of course, it took most of the world by storm. I remember I actually read an article not too long ago that Pokemon recently overtook Star Wars as the most profitable brand in the world. So, there you go. Um, But yeah, so the Pokemon cartoon came out, the cards came out, the Game Boy games came out. Um, the, The essence of Pokemon, the story itself, was based on collecting. It was all about collecting all of the various creatures that existed in that world. So it was only natural that any merchandise that stemmed from this uh, from this story would become collectibles in themselves. Um, so yeah, I, I collected Pokemon cards, and not too long after that, uh, so that was not what 96 I think was when Pokemon burst on the scene, um, and then maybe in 97 or 98, Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, came out and it had its own card game, um, which also during that time there was a little show called Digimon uh, that existed kind of as a direct competitor to Pokemon, um, and I and I kind of uh, jumped into collecting those cards a little. Um, but again, I think the big thing here in in mentioning is that I never played Pokemon. Um, I just collected the cards. I mean, I played the Game Boy games as well, but I just collected the cards never played. Yu-Gi-Oh! on the other hand, I started as a collector and then I became a player. At some point, I do think it would have been appropriate for me to change my terminology from I collect Yu-Gi-Oh! cards to just stating that I play Yu-Gi-Oh! Because just playing it in in itself means that I have to purchase cards. Um, I wasn't doing it just to own them. There was a use for them. Um, Early teens? 12-ish? 13-ish? No. Probably even later than that. Maybe 14, 15. um, I really kind of started pulling back on collecting any form of cards. Um, And I think I probably just stopped collecting altogether. Um, You know, beginning of high school, uh, it's a whole new phase of life. It wasn't until late high school, early college, that my next Uh, collecting Target began and that was movies. I wanted to have a large movie collection Um, so and this was also kind of during the blu-ray boom when blu-rays started not just being uh, that extra expensive version of a movie Um, And so it was not just collecting movies, but it was also transitioning any movies that I already had to Blu-ray versions. Um, And so that helped with the uh, quote-unquote hunt. Um, It it was just an extra part of the journey. Um, So I collected movies. um, And I didn't collect that much. Um it's not like now I have a wall just full of movies. Um I may have a hundred and forty Blu-rays and then maybe a hundred DVDs. Um but again at some point that uh the desire just kinda died out. And from that point I started moving more into comic-based memorabilia. Um, You know, I was always into comic-based characters as a kid, mostly X-Men, but also Spider-Man and uh, Spawn, uh, Batman, you know, kind of the usuals. And so I started moving into collecting figures, Marvel Legends... And then, kind of naturally, the collecting figures evolved into what would be called small-scale statues. Now, these are not uh, sculpted out of clay or stone. Um, These are all plastic, PVC. um, And really, the biggest difference between them and action figures, other than size, is that they're static. Um, They may be in a really cool action pose, have a cool base, things like that, uh, but you can't move them. Um, You know, there is no articulation, uh, whereas with action figures, um, normally those are purchased to play with. Um, I mean, you can pose them and then leave them alone, but the statue is designed solely for the purpose of being on display. Um, the small scale stuff so i would say this was more late college yeah late college into grad school and then mostly after grad school once i actually got a big boy job and started making money um small scale lasted probably not as long as it should have before I jumped into the creme de la creme of statue collecting. And that is the larger scale um, statues that are actually made, you know, with a stone mix. Um, And so if, if you're interested in what that is, these are the types of things that you would see on... Uh, sideshowtoy.com average size two feet tall and so that's kind of where I am now Um, it started from these little cardboard um, coin shaped things and it has evolved into a 25 inch tall Spider Man statue that I can stare at. So, yeah, uh, that's how that happens. So, if you are a collector, be wary. Um, it can escalate quite quickly. To further explore perhaps uh, some other dimensions of a collector's mindset. Uh, I'm gonna go through a list of uh, ten things that uh, only collectors understand. Uh, I happened to I happened to come across this on the internet, and I thought that it would be a good tool for a more in-depth analysis of how collectors' minds focus on some aspects of life a little differently than non-collectors. I'm going to preface this discussion with something that isn't included on the list, but that I feel is a pillar of collecting mindset. And that is that every monetary purchase is judged on the basis of the thing that you collect. For example, if I go grocery shopping and I spend $120, I will think, "Man, I should have only spent 80. Then that would have been 40 more dollars towards a deposit for a statue." Or I will have fast food one day and I'll spend 6 bucks and I'll think, "I should have just eaten at home, and that 6 bucks could have gone towards a statue or towards a comic." Um, And I find that happening quite frequently. Every purchase is made in respect to my respective collectible. And if there's one real positive aspect of daily living that collecting uh, inadvertently or unexpectedly aids in, it is budgeting. I have never budgeted as well in the past as I do now, knowing that I... Uh, have to set a certain amount of money aside in order to maintain my collecting hobby. So number one is that there is a difference between a collectible and a toy. I think that this is perhaps why this group of individuals tends to be targeted so frequently is because the general population just sees them as buying toys. That they haven't grown up. That they are acting like kids. I don't think there's anything wrong with any adult buying anything that they want to purchase with money that they earn, first of all. And to purchase anything that tends to be labeled as meant for a child... I think, is just a testament to one's security over their identity. And usually, the things that are collected are limited in some way, shape, or form. Toys are mass-produced to reach as many people as possible, whereas most collectibles are limited or are put out only for a short time or are seasonal or whatever the specific um, limitation is, it is limited in some way. Um, Collecting in itself, again, and I brought this up earlier, is a very ordinary and normal thing to do. It is not this rare... Uh, one-in-one-million scenario of a hobby. There was some sort of census taken in the UK about four years ago that concluded that one in three people in the UK were collectors in one way or another. So if you are a collector and you've ever felt ostracized or like an outcast, you're not, there is probably... A hundred people down the block collecting the same thing you are. Number three is that buying two of the exact same thing is perfectly okay. Uh, we are not one and done usually. Uh, we don't believe that having one is enough sometimes. I think that something that is hard for some people to wrap their heads around, which I don't know why, is that some collectibles maintain their value only if they are left alone they are left in mint condition and that includes the boxes and i will never understand why people don't get it the box is a part of the product and so sometimes we would like to have a second one so that we can maintain the mint condition of one while we can enjoy the other one in a display number four a person's collection is only as much of an investment as they want it to be. Again, collecting does not have to mean monetary investment. Just because someone is a collector does not mean that they plan on making money off of what they are doing. Value, a an, an item's value, is not just monetary. It is also personal interest. It's also emotional. And sometimes that is the only basis for a person's collection. Number five kind of plays back to number three. Sometimes you just don't want to unbox something. Sometimes you buy it and you just leave it and you just let it sit for a bit. Sometimes there's a specific reason for it. Sometimes you want to get in the right mood, and sometimes you just want to leave it in the box forever. That happens. Number six, putting your collection on display fills you with happiness. Most collectors are going to have their things out and about, out for the whole world to see. If you walk into a collector's house and you do a full walkthrough at some point, you will recognize that they are a collector. If you are a collector and you have your collection stored away in the attic, in the basement, in the garage, in a closet, get it out. For whatever reason. I don't care if your wife doesn't want it displayed. I don't care if you are ashamed. Bring it out. Let the world see. Post it on your Instagram. Post it on your Facebook. Let the world know how proud you are for the things that you collect. Number seven. That feeling you get when someone plays with your collectibles as if they're toys. So let's remember, number one was there's a difference between the two. Collectibles and toys are different. Don't touch people's stuff. You shouldn't touch people's stuff anyway. Eight, you appreciate the moment when you look at your collection and realize how big it has become. Yes, sometimes size does matter. And there is a momentous feeling of accomplishment as you acknowledge and are aware of the amount of growth your collection has over time. Because really, when you think about it, saying someone has a large collection or a small collection is really relative. I have, uh, you know, uh, right now I am set up to have a collection of 3678910 maybe 11 statues and for me that would be a big collection especially with the financial commitment that is our accomplishment and i'm not going to say that it is comparable to this but perhaps it's slightly similar to people watching their kids grow that is something that they have put a lot of time, energy, and money into, and they want to see it grow and perhaps, you know, become something better. So, again, not saying they're comparable completely, but, yeah, there may be some similarities there. Uh, Number nine, a person's collection becomes a part of their identity. Again, collecting is not a compulsion, It is not just getting stuff and keeping stuff because we can't get rid of it. It is not the same as hoarding. It is done out of love. It is done out of interest. It is done out of nostalgia. Okay? It doesn't matter what it is. Fine art, Funko Pop, statues, figures, stamps, coins. I don't care. Whatever it is, it is about getting what you like. It's about discovering new things you didn't know were there. It's about hunting for the best deals. It becomes a part of who you are. It becomes a part of your routine. And I think sometimes it gets lost uh, in the swamp of greed and jealousy and superiority. But collecting is about community. It's about joining like-minded people and connecting with them and being able to share with them Uh, and I think for me that's been the biggest takeaway from my hobbies Um, I think for the most part the majority of my hobbies have either been with uh, my brother or or one of my friends or maybe a handful of friends but as I've gotten older and I started getting into, you know, some of the more serious collecting hobbies, the amount of people out there who are collecting and are part of communities through social media is, is enormous. And I have connected with people um, in other countries and I have always felt like that is what the purest essence of collecting should be about. Number 10 is is about sharing stuff online, and I've already kind of mentioned that uh, when it comes to displaying your pieces, so I'm going to give my own number 10. You always keep the boxes. I understand how that looks, and I understand that that kind of sounds like hoarding. But at some point, collections change. Your habits change and your desires change so as a collector it is a protection for your future interests to keep your boxes for the things that you are collecting now because that is the best way to ensure that they will maintain some value without the box you might as well cut any financial gain in half and sometimes it's hard to find locations to store these things especially if you collect large items at the end of the day, it'll end up worth it because at some point, your habits are likely to change. You'll want to collect something different or you'll want to cut down in your collection. And without that box, it's going to be really hard to resell or trade or anything of the like. And Geeks and Geekettes, I think that is going to be it. I think uh, this was a good session. I think it was a chance to... Delve a little bit more into the psyche of a specific group of people and I want to end by again saying that whatever it is that you like as long as it doesn't hurt you and as long as it doesn't hurt other people do it do it often do it with others share it let people know. Don't be ashamed of your hobbies, don't be ashamed of your collections, and don't be ashamed to be a collector. Until next time, this has been your Geeky Therapy.